If you'll find Ezra chapter 5, and don't stand as of yet, we'll stand here in just a little bit and read out of the scriptures, but if you'll find Ezra chapter 5, that's where we'll be headed uh, this morning. I appreciate the good music around here, very thankful for good godly music, and people work so hard that we can uh, enjoy that, and uh, I know it brings honor and glory to our God, and that's certainly the main thing that we want to do. Just find Ezra 5, we'll, we'll stand here in just a moment. In the Bible, a wonderful book. Amen. I, I just don't, I don't understand. I think about it fairly often how those that did not have the whole canon of scriptures lived for God all those years ago. I mean, they, they, they trusted God, but they didn't have the scripture to run to like we do. I'm so thankful that we do. I'm thankful that we have it in our hands. And one of the great many things about it is how it shows us the realities of life. I mean, the Bible doesn't hold back anything that will help us to prepare for those things that will confront us in this life on earth. And one of the many things that it teaches us is that no matter how hard we are trying to live for God, this life can be very uncertain. No matter how hard we're trying to live for God. No matter what we're trying to do to serve God, this life can be very uncertain. I mean, you just think about all the things that are going on in the world right now. I mean, has anyone here had, had the thought, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much more of this I can take. That's uncertainty. Or how about this thought, what in the world's going to happen next? Uh, that's uncertainty. And the reality is that, uh, for us, is that um, and it is a true reality for us as we live here in this uh, fallen world. It's just the way that it is. I remember years ago when I got saved and thinking, man, this is going to be so good now. All my problems are going to be over. Didn't quite work out that way. But I do have somebody to walk with me through all the problems now. Uncertainty in our lives. That goes for good Christians too. I mean, ones that are really trying to live for God. Ones that are serving God with all their heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Uncertainty. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. There are going to be times in our life that we are perplexed. I'm talking about those times that we cannot see how things are going to work out. But as believers, that uncertainty does not have to plunge us into despair. We have great hope. Well, well, how is that, preacher? I mean, how are we supposed to endure these uncertain times of our life and keep faith in God, keep our faith in God as strong as it needs to be? Well, I believe that God has the answer for that in this portion of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. So if you're well able to stand, stand with me if you would. Ezra chapter 5. In verse number 1, if you'll follow along, I'll try to read here. Ezra 5, 1. Then the, then the prophets, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Iddo, 
prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. With them were the prophets of God, and with them were the prophets of God helping them. At the same time came to them Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shethar Bozni, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house, and to make up this wall? Then said we unto them after this manner, What are the names of the men that make this building? But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease, till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. The copy of the letter that Tatnai, governor of on this side of the river, and Shathar Bosni and his companions, the Aphars, Aphar, uh, okay, you try to say it. I practiced this many times. That the the Aphorskites, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king. Verse number seven. They sent a letter unto them, wherein was written, unto Darius the king, all peace. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones and timbers laid on the walls, and the work goeth fast on and prospereth in their hands. Then asked we those elders and said unto them, Who commanded you to build this house to make up these walls? We asked their names also to certify thee, that we might write the names of the men that were the chief of them. And thus they returned us answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and build the house that was builded these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. But after that our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away unto Babylon. But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the same uh, king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. And the vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them into the temple of Babylon, those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered unto them, whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor, and said unto them, and said unto him, Take these vessels, go, carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came the same Sheshbazar, and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even until now, hath it been in building, and yet it is not finished. Now therefore, if it seem good to the king, let there be search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so, that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter." I want to try to preach out of this portion of Scripture this morning on this subject. Don't be moved because of the trials. Don't be moved because of the trials. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, thank you, Lord, for your Bible. Thank you, God, that we have it in our hands. Thank you that you use it by your Spirit to teach us, to guide us, uh, Lord, to help us, to warn us, uh, to strengthen us. It's, 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 it's It's the undeniable Word of God. 
And we pray that you would bless now the preaching of this message. We pray that you would guide and direct. Help us. Give us clarity of mind and speech. Lord, boldness to preach your word is only you can give. We need that power that comes only from you. I pray for everyone that is listening to the message, Lord, whether here or by live stream, I pray that you'd work a work, Lord, that only you can take credit for. We're trusting you to do that and ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Here in Ezra chapter 5, it describes a time of revival. Uh, 16 years of spiritual negligence were reversed by uh, the preaching of Haggai the prophet. We read last week in Haggai chapter 1, where it says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and the spirit of Jeshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So, so the prophet Haggai came and preached, and God used it to revive the spirit of the people. And once the spirit of the people was revived, once that was accomplished, the work of God that had been neglected for 16 years now, it began once again. They, they were revived. They, they were moved again. Uh, they were moved to the work of God once again. Revival is that spiritual renewal um, for a believer that has need of something from God. It opens our eyes to the need in our own lives, and it also opens our eyes to the need of the work of the church. And to live a life of continual revival, which really we should, uh, a life of faith in God and obedience to His Word, it's one of the main objectives of the preaching of the Word of God. We come to church because we need to hear from God. We need to hear from the Word of God. And the preaching of the Word of God should keep us continually, (coughs) excuse me, looking unto God and trying to do our best to live the life that He would have us to live. So Haggai preached the Word, and the hearts of the people were revived. And with that, God's purpose purpose for the Israelites once again became their main priority. God sent us here. We were supposed to be building this house. We um, we uh, We got discouraged because of the resistance that came up against us. And now for 16 years, we've just kind of been doing our own thing, more worried about our lives than we were the house of God. And what we need to do now is we need to get back to the priority that God has for us. They were moved to do the work in the house of God. And you might be thinking, boy, preacher, that is great. That is wonderful, pastor. I mean, they're revived and they're back to doing the work of the Lord. And from that time, pastor, I mean, it was probably just smooth sailing from that point on, wasn't it? Well, I wish I could say that it happened that way. I wish I could say that from that time, because of the revival they had in their own heart and their willingness to do what God would have them to do, that all their enemies just stepped aside and let them go right ahead and work. I wish I could tell you that. But remember what happened 16 years earlier? I remember how the enemies of God came up against them and how those enemies were determined to stop the work of God and they were relentless at attacking the people of God. Well, guess what? Um, Because the people of God decided to go forward with the work of God, because they were revived in their heart and they decided to do what God would have them to do, they found themselves in that very same battle. Here comes the enemies of God again. Here comes those that are trying to stop them once again. So the first reality that I want us to look at this morning is this. Old enemies will often test a revived heart. Um, Verse number three. 
At the same time came to them Tatnai, the governor on this side the river, and Shathar Bosnai, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house and make up this wall? So just as soon as they started the work again that God wanted, going forward the way that God wanted them to do, the people were met by the government department. Here comes the governor. And they came with the very same plan, very same plan. What we're going to do, we're going to go over there and we're going to intimidate them and stop the work of God again. So this governor, Tatnai, he uh, oversaw all the lands west of the Euphrates River. And he came in with his honorage that we saw there and immediately began to ask questions. And he asked two in particular. Number one, by whose authority are you rebuilding this temple? And number two, if the king does not approve of what you're doing here, who is it that's going to answer for this? Who's ready to take the heat for this? We need some answers and we need it now. Now that's the very same time of flexing of the authoritative governmental muscles that had brought the discouragement to the people of God and stopped the work 16 years ago. They thought, man, oh man, we can't face all this. What are we going to do? We, we, we just can't keep going forward. You know, when God is working in your life, when commitments are being renewed by you to walk with Him, when you rededicate your life to God, when your heart is revived, never forget, old enemies will often test a revived heart. Those old enemies will show up. And you might think, well, Brother Marsh, wait, 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 wait. I've had a change of heart. I mean, God did work in my life, and I know that I need to be pushing forward. And and I've had a real change of heart, Brother Marsh. Well, good. No, that's a good thing. No, it's a wonderful thing. No, I'm telling you, if we realize that we're not where we need to be with God and God speaks to us and we we make this determination, man, I'm going to get back to that place I need to be and I'm going to start doing the things that I should be doing and I'm going to start living the life that God would have me to live. That's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. But don't expect it to be something that's just going to set you off on a smooth trip. Because see, the character of your enemies has not changed at all. They're still there and they're still real. The world and its enticements is still against you. I promise you it is. No, it's still against you wanting to live a godly life. It's against you. This world is against you. And the flesh that you're robed in this morning, it will still fight against the Spirit of God and what God is trying to accomplish in your life. I promise you it well and the devil still hates you and he's going to do everything he can do to destroy you and your family and everything that's good in your life no 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 the character of the enemies has not changed it's still exactly the same so God moves in your heart and he does this work that makes you see the need to live for him and not long after that those old enemies raise their heads seeing what they can do to destroy your commitments that you have made to God. And it may be the enemies from within. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, you know, temptation and sin. Those enemies from within. Over in Mark chapter 7, verse 21, the Bible says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. 
It could be just the enemies from within. Those things that often beset you. Uh, those things that kept you from living for God for a long time because you kept going back to the things of the flesh, the things of the flesh, these things that satisfy you, these things that make you feel good, these things that you want to do, doesn't matter what anybody thinks, all these different things that come from within. Come on, it could be those things from within. We have some real enemies in there, don't we? Somebody say amen. It's absolutely a fact. It's absolutely a fact. And it could be those enemies from without. I'm talking about discouragement. From those that choose not to love God. We start trying to live for God. I mean really live for God. We're getting some things out of our life. That we know that God does not want there. We're putting some things into our life. That we know that God does want there. And we begin to get discouragement. From people that do not want to live that kind of life. Oh you don't have to do all that to be a Christian. Oh you don't have to go to church. Every time the doors are open. Oh and that preacher. He's just wanting to run your life. And all these things. Oh no no no. There's people out there like that. And they'll do what they can to shut you down because if you start trying to live a holy life, if you start trying to live exactly the way that God would have you to live and you're still around them, I'm telling you what it does. If they are believers, it brings conviction upon their life. And they begin to see that they're falling short also. And instead of getting right with God too many times, they just want to pull you down and keep you from doing what God would have you to do. So it may be those enemies from without. Once you experience revival in your heart, you can be sure that the old enemies are going to show up to test your determination. How determined are you to live for God? How determined are you to walk with God? How determined are you to live that holy life? How determined are you to keep on getting up every time you stumble, every time you fall, every time you make a mistake? How determined are you just to keep on going? I'm telling you, they will be there to test your determination. And when that opposition comes, and it will, you have to be prepared to resist it. And you have to be prepared to resist it with Bible, biblical convictions. Biblical convictions. So Governor Tatnai showed up and demanded that they tell him who had authorized that work. And uh, verse number 9 tells us that they asked the elders, which would have been Zerubbabel and Jeshua. And, And in fact, the answer from Zerubbabel and Jeshua is recorded in this letter that Tatnai wrote to King Darius. Let's read it again. Look at verse number 8. It says, here's the letter. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones and timber is laid in the walls. And this work goeth fast on and prospereth in their hands. Then ask we those elders and, and, said, uh, and said unto them thus, who commanded you to build this house? Excuse me, and to make up these walls. We asked their names also to certify thee that we might write the names of the men that were the chief of them. We're going to get these guys in trouble. Verse 11. And thus they returned us answer saying, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. So when questioned about the work that they were doing, they answered But they answered with biblical conviction. The first conviction was about who God is. Who God is. He is the God of heaven and earth. Um, 
That's a pretty good conviction right there. No, I mean it. That's seriously. Well, why are you trying to live like that? Well, because, you know, God lays it out in His book that, you know, we're supposed to live that way. No, no, that's good biblical conviction. Absolutely so. We're talking about the Creator of everything we see. Psalm 121 verse 2 says, My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, King David prayed this. Listen to this. King David prayed, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is Thine. Thine is kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Boy, that was a great answer from them. Why are you doing this? Well, we're serving, the, we're serving the God of heaven and earth. These servants of God were doing the work with the confidence that they were doing so in obedience to the highest authority of all, our great God Almighty. No, no, no. This isn't a small thing. This is a great thing right here, I'm telling you. You know, why are you living like that? Well, because God lays it out in His book. Why are you trying to do those things? Well, because it's what God has directed me to do. Uh-oh. Well, why do, you, why do you think that you have to go to such extremes? Well, I mean, it doesn't seem extreme to God, so I'm trying to not let it seem extreme to me. I'm trying to do everything that God would have us to do. And I'm telling you, they were doing that, and it was His strength, and it was His protection, and His authority upon which they were relying. Who's going to help me to live this way? God's going to help you to live this way. Come on, that's why you try to do it. That's why you put that effort forth. That's why you decide to take that step. That's why you decide to separate yourself from this uh, wicked world and to live the life that God would have you to live. Because there is a God in heaven. He is alive and well. He does give us direction from His book. No, no, no. We, look, look, we might deny it. We might write it off as something else. Uh, we, we, might, we might mock it. We might ridicule it. We might ignore it. But I'm telling you, it is here. And God left it here for us that it may give us direction in their life and how we should live the life that He wants us to live while we're here, after we're born again, by the Spirit of God. And I am telling you, the best, the best, the, the, the best authority that I have in living the life that I'm trying so hard to live for God is that I'm doing my best for the God of heaven and earth. He's the one. And these people, they knew who God is. And they were not going to let the work be stopped by, outer, by the uh, uh, outer opposition again. They weren't going to let it happen to them again. They had real conviction about what God was doing. They had real conviction about that. Look at verse number 12. But after that, our fathers had... His, this is one of their answers. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven under wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away unto Babylon. Part of the answer that they gave them when they asked this question. So here's what they said. They said, they said that their fathers had sinned greatly. And their fathers had provoked God with their sin. And the destruction of the temple of God and their exile into Babylon, captivity, was the punishment for doing so. I mean, their nation had gone through and was going through what it was going through right then because of their own doings. They were reaping what they had sown. And they recognized it. That's a real good thing too. 
I said, that's a real good thing too. No, no, no. Once we're revived, that we realize, once we're revived, that we realize the mistakes that we were making in this life, and because that we weren't being prosperous, and because God wasn't satisfied, it's real good for us to recognize, hmm, this is my own fault. I was headed in the wrong direction. I wasn't doing everything that God would have me to do. I'm just living to please myself. Come on, that's what these people were doing before the revival came. They were just living to please themselves. They were building their houses, but they weren't worried about the house of God. They were living their lives in enjoyment, doing whatever they wanted to do, but they weren't worried about what God had to say about that. But when they realized, when they were revived, they came back and they said, man, oh man, oh man, all this stuff happened and the house of God, the temple of God was destroyed and the city of God was destroyed because our forefathers, because those our fathers that went before us were, were determined to live their life of sin. They were determined to live the life that they wanted to live. And so uh, they had to pay for that. They had to pay for it. But here's, no, no, no. Here's also what they recognized. It was because of God's mercy and grace that they were back in their homeland, rebuilding the house of God according to God's own command. I mean, they knew that they were doing what God wanted done. And that was reason enough to not get discouraged once again. We're doing what God wants us to do. They could stand on a conviction that they were doing what they were doing was not in rebellion to the king. And it talks about that in verses 13 through, through, through 15. How the king had, had given them, had signed a decree and sent them to do what God uh, wanted them to do. What they were doing was lawful and what they were doing was right. It was part of the command that King Cyrus had made nearly 20 years before this. <clears throat> okay, think about this. When we uh, get perplexed, we need to have some biblical conviction on which we can stand. Boy, preacher, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live for God, but it just seems, like, just seems like there's trouble at every turn. Right. Preacher, I'm trying to live for God, but it seems like everything is against me. Well, pretty much is. But if God be for us, who can be against us? No, no, we have to realize, we have to realize that we have to be determined. Look, I, I, I wish, I wish, so many times I have wished, <laughs> so many times I have wished that God would just um, grab me and make me do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. Surely I'm not the only one in this place. I mean, no, 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 there's, there's been many a time that I've come to an altar and I've said, Lord, I'm so sorry. And, 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 and I, 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 know that I, I know that I shouldn't have done this or done that or whatever the case may be. And Lord, I want to live my life for you. I want you to be number one. I, I want you to be my all in all. I, I want to follow you by your spirit, by your word. I want to live the life that you would have me to live. And man, oh man, oh man, you get up and you're thankful for the forgiveness of God. And you're thankful for the grace and mercy of God. And you're thankful that God is going to be there for you through that and going to help you once again. And you just wish that uh, when you turn that next corner that the enemy wasn't going to be there, but they're there. And so we have to be determined to um, trust God. To listen to God. 
and to do what He would have us to do. Because He's not going to make us do it. And I'll say it again, He's not going to make us do it. And I'm telling you, we can continue to just go down the road we want to go down, but the end of that road is uh, never good. It's not what God has for us. There is a plan that God has for our life. And as we listen to Him, and as we yield to Him, come on, I'm going to get more into this, but, but as, we, as we do that, as we do that, we have, to have, we have to have this biblical conviction that, that, that God is God. That, that He is the God over heaven and earth. That He's the one that created us. That, that He had a plan for us before we were ever born into this world. Remember that Jesus is Lord. Have confidence in His strength, not your strength, in His strength. And get that courage that you need from the truth that what you're doing is what God wants done in your life. That is why you're working hard to have a Christian home. That is why you're telling us about Jesus Christ. That is why, why that, that is why there are things um, going on in this world that you are going to absolutely refuse to accept as good and right because it is not good and right in the sight of God. And when you begin to do those things and, and live that life and, and lead your family in the right way and refuse the things of this world, I'm telling you the opposition is going to be there. It's going to be there. No matter the source of trouble, where it might come, no matter the uncertainty that may come about in your life, uh, 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 it must all be answered with biblical convictions, biblical answers. But let me finish all this by giving you something that should give you courage to keep doing what God wants you to do in your life. And it's this. God will take care of those that continue to put their trust in Him. Oh, don't miss that. God will take care of those that continue to put their trust in Him. No matter what might come about in our life. Verse number 5 says, But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius and then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. So they started, get this, come on, stay with me. They started doing what God wanted them to do. We know that God wants us to do that. He wants us to rebuild this temple. And when they started doing what God wanted them to do, the opposition came. It was there. And when questioned about what they were doing, the people of God, they answered in faith. In faith. <clears throat> I tell you one of the things that helps a born-again believer to continue to live in this dark world in which we live. And that is to speak up about God. I mean to speak up about God. Oh, why aren't you doing this anymore? Well, I'm a Christian. And I'm trying to live for God. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm telling you, it is very, very good if we can get to a place where that we're not ashamed that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. It will help to make us stronger in everything that we do if we're willing to speak up for the God that 
sent His only begotten Son to save our soul. For the God that gives us direction in this life. I mean, to open our mouth and answer in faith. This is what God wants me to do. Governor Tatnai then wrote this letter to King Darius. And we read the letter, and then there's verse 17 that says this, Now therefore, if it seemed good to the king, the end of the letter, let there be a search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon. Check all the files, whether it be so that a decree was made of, of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. So, verse 17 it kind of uh, leaves us hanging somewhat on this matter. What do you mean, preacher? Well, what's going to be the king's answer? No, they wrote, said everything that was going on, gave the answers of the people of God once they questioned him about these things, and then they said, hey, check your records and see if this is so. We want to know if this is right. And uh, send us an answer. So... What's going to be the king's answer? And that is where uncertainty can rear up its head again. With everything that's going on in our world right now, the postal system has gotten rather slow, hasn't it? I'm not bashing postal workers, mercy sakes alive. I can't even imagine what they're going through trying to keep everything going. I'm not bashing anything, but it has slowed down. But it wasn't as slow as it was back then. Because more than likely it took about probably around six months for the turnaround of this letter of King Darius. Uh, for for Tatnai to get this answer that he was looking for. Six months. Six months. Which may lead you to ask, uh, okay, well, so then what effect did did that have on those that were working at rebuilding the temple? Um, none. I said it had none effect. Verse number 5 again says, they could not cause them to cease. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to write a letter to the king. We're going to see whether or not that you really have the authority to do this. Okay. No, they were able to do that and keep on building because their confidence was not in the letter of the king. Their confidence was in God. Now they knew, they knew that they were there by the proper authority, but their confidence was in God. They kept on building the temple of God. They did not allow the opposition to stop them. Not this time. And the reason for that was, well, the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, is what Scripture says. <clears throat> Look, whether you ever feel it or not, whether you ever realize it by your senses or not, as you try to live, to, as you try to live for God, God is watching. No, no, as we set forth to do what God would have us to do, He is with us. He is for us. He is the one that directs us to live that life. 
He's a loving, caring, heavenly Father that's going to do His best to deter us from doing what is wrong. But He is there to help us and watch over us as we do right. And every time that we choose not to do what God would have us to do, we may have to pay the consequences of that because you can, pick the, you can choose the sin, but you can't choose the consequences of it. So we may have to pay the consequences of that, but God is always there to help you up and get you back on track. And the more that we just trust Him and continue to do what He would have us to do, the more He helps us. The eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews. And you might think to yourself, well, what does that mean? Well, when the Jews made up their minds to trust God and continue by faith in Him, they got the assurance that they needed. They got the assurance that they needed that God was watching out for them. They knew that God, uh, that God was leading the way. He, they knew that God had their back. They knew that God was watching over the work that He had led them to do. And they knew that because they were doing the will of God. Well, how do I know God's going to help me? Well, if you're going the way that He would have you to go, He's going to help you. If you're trying your best to live the will of God for your life, He's going to help you. Well, preacher, I, I don't know if I know the I don't know if I know the perfect will of God for my life. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you how you can find out the perfect will of God for your life. Um, start by doing the revealed will of God for your life. Come on, those very simple things. Reading your Bible every day like you really should. Praying every day like you really should. Coming to church the way that you should. Listening to God. I mean, no, no, there's things in here that if we will begin to do the things that are laid out so clearly and so, so simply for us. Now, I didn't say it was easy to do it. I said it, but it's simply laid out for us, isn't it? And if we will start doing those things, I can tell you that God will open up her, our eyes to a lot more things. God stood between them and their enemies. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. <laughs> no, no, God says to show Himself Strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward them. And that doesn't mean we're living a perfect life. That just means that we've made up our mind that we're going to do what God wants us to do. And we're going to work hard to get it done. I mean, that should make us trust Him even more. Even more. John Newton said this. It's a great quote. He said, quote, If the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eye is upon us, His arm over us, His ear open to our prayer. His grace sufficient, His promise unchangeable. Under His protection, though the path of duty should lie through fire and flood, we may cheerfully and confidently pursue it, end quote. I thought that was great. Absolutely so. Now you put it in a nutshell and it pretty much says this, anything that you may face or go through, God is there with you to help you through it. But our faith has to be in Him. Our faith can't be in ourselves. Our faith has to be in Him. We keep on doing the things that God would have us to do because that's the direction He gives us. 
We abstain from those things from which uh, God would have us to abstain because that's God's direction for us. And we continue to live the life that He wants us to live. I mean, pursuing that, and we're trusting Him. And when those times of temptation come, we pray, Oh Lord, don't let me fall prey to this. Don't let this get hold of me again. Don't let this pull me down again. Oh Lord, give me the boldness to speak up for You when those people around me begin to ask why in the world I'm not doing the things I used to do. Give me the boldness to speak up and say, well, I'm doing my best to follow God. I mean, when we're trusting God for those types of things. Oh, preacher, I'm telling you, you know, that's kind of weird to those people out in the world. Right. It is. Absolutely. It is. You know why it's weird to them? Because either they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, or they don't care anything at all about God and following God. If we're really determined to live the life that God would have us to live, to not be moved because of the trials that come about in our life, we need to put Him first. There may be times that you... uh, or perplexed, but don't allow that to cause you to be discouraged. Because our confidence lies in the fact that the God we serve is more powerful than anyone or anything that would challenge His purpose for our lives. If you're saved, if you're saved, you're not without protection. You serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You, you serve the one who brought light out of darkness and life out of death. I mean, we still abide, we still abide in this world that we may be witnesses for the one who said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's why we're here. Come on, you're saved by the grace of God. That's why we're here, to be witnesses for Him. And that's why we need not despair. God's not limited. I'll say it again. God's not limited. The Bible tells us that He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh. Listen to this. According to the power that worketh in us. That's what the Word of God says. That God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Come on, I mean, Lord, I need help. I can't overcome this, and I can't overcome that, and I don't have the boldness to speak up for you, and my life seems to be going down a wrong path. I'm guaranteeing, no, 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 no. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Well, what power is that, preacher? The power of the Holy Ghost that lives in you since you got saved by the grace of God. It's not our power. It's His power. We have His promises that if we will make His kingdom our priority, He makes watching over you His priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He watches over us as we put Him first. 
God is faithful to those who will put their trust in Him. Listen, listen to me please. We're not promised a life without trials. No, 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 no. Even when we are revived, even when we are determined once again to give our best to God, that life will not be without persecution, without troubles, without perplexities. What we must have is real faith in a very real God that is able to work in and through whatever realities of this life that we may endure. He's able to get us through it. He's there for us. We just have to have real faith in Him. Let me wrap it all up. You know, one of the greatest uncertainties with most of this world is what's going to happen when I die. I mean, what's out there after we're gone, preacher? Well, God has the answer to that question too. And the answer to that question is Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus, the very begotten Son of God. He came into this world to die for the sins of mankind. He went to the cross. He shed His blood. He died for you and me. But after laying in that tomb for three days, He rose from the dead. And He's alive today and sitting at the right hand of God. And if you will repent of your sins and trust Him by faith, you can live out the rest of your life on this globe knowing that you have an eternal home reserved for you in a very real place called heaven. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. He gave us the Bible so that we can come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. For those of you that have trusted Christ as your Savior, this very confidence can be yours for the rest of your life. You can follow the Lord and trust God to do all that He says that He will do in His Word. You can trust God to do all that He says He will do in His Word. You can trust God to do all that He says He will do in His Word. There is one thing that God cannot do. He cannot lie. According to Titus chapter 1, verse 2. God cannot lie. And I'm telling you, this Bible is the Word of God. And it will give us direction. And we can trust Him. We can trust Him. I'm telling you, you can be confident that God is watching out for you. And if you'll just keep trying, if you'll just keep trying, He will give you victory. It will come. He will not allow, He will not allow your enemies to stop His work in your life if you will trust Him and keep doing what He says to do. I'm not saying that a walk of faith is always easy because it's not. And I'm not saying that you'll not be hurt along the way because you probably Will, we live in a messed up world. I said we live in a very messed up world and there's not always insulation between us and trouble. It's just a fact. It's just the way that it is. And life may not always make sense either. But in those times we just have to walk by faith. 
And we have to live in the confidence that God is watching over because He is. And when you stand on biblical truth, you'll learn that God is greater than anything or anyone who opposes His purposes in your life. And that's what it takes to stand strong for God when it seems like everything and everyone is against us. Because sometimes it seems like that, doesn't it? When we're trying to live the way that God wants us to live. Don't be moved because of the trials. We have a very great God who's there for us. And He'll see you through these things if we just keep our eye on Him and keep doing the things that He says we should do instead of the things that we want to do that go against what He would have us to do. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? We're going to stand for a moment. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Maybe God spoke to your heart this morning. You have a need. Maybe you are struggling with some things. Maybe you are perplexed about some things. Maybe you know there's some things that God needs to do in your life, needs to do in your heart. We're going to open up the altar. I'm going to encourage you to come and just let God have His way in your heart and your life. We'll never go wrong that way. Never, ever. God has the best plan. And He'll help us. But we have to do it His way. We have to do it His way. We must do it His way. Whatever He would have you to do. You might be here this morning and not know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. You're here like that this morning. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'd sure like to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure if I was to die, I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? I'd like to do that. Anybody here like that this morning? Just slip your hand up wherever you are. Just slip it up. I'll acknowledge it. We'll go right on. Not going to call on you. Not going to point you out. I'd just like to pray for you. Preacher, I'm not sure if I died that I'd go to heaven. Anyone here like that this morning? Do you allow me to pray for you? Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Word of God and we're thankful that You're a God that we can trust, that we can follow. We're thankful for God that will protect us and guide us and help us through whatever this life may bring about. And Lord, I pray for those that are already at the altar and I pray for those that need to come. I pray we take a moment to turn aside and just ask You for the wherewithal to do what you would have us to do.